begin by, uh, okay, our title is The Speaking Holy Spirit, but I want to begin with an uh, illustration from a woman named Katie Payne, wrote a book called Silent Thunder, The Presence of Elephants, and uh, she's what's called an, an uh, acoustical biologist, very interesting, she, she's retired now, but she was a musician as well as a biologist, which is kind of an interesting combination, and uh, so early on in her career, she studied humpback whales, and if you're familiar with them, the, their songs that they sing underwater, and she was one of the pioneers of that whole field. And then she moved over to elephants, and uh, she spent, started out by going to the zoo for a week and just sitting outside the cage, and there's a number of different elephants there, and she listened. And, you know, how we can hear once, we, we, we've heard elephants, right? You know, I will not try to do it here, but... You know, the stuff that we would hear elephants say. But when wasn't, there wasn't that level of sound going on, and she'd be sitting there. She would feel a throbbing in the air. Like the air would just have these vibrations in it. And, but very low level, and she'd feel it. And she began to watch this, and she considered it like it's thundering outside, but it's not thundering, but you could feel the thunder. She called the book In the Present, Silent Thunder, she called it. And so what she did was, because she taught at Cornell, she got one of her uh, fellow professors to, to lend her a, 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 some equipment that enables you to hear sound below the frequency that we can hear as human beings. And it's called actually an infrasonic level. And uh, so what she suspected was true turned out to be totally true that elephants were communicating on a frequency below the pitch of what we could hear as human beings. And uh, they discovered a whole communication system there. And uh, in, what's in, a, in a range of sound called infrasound. And uh, so they, we pay attention on our level of sound, we hear things. But they discovered another level of sound. And, and so, uh, you know, here's some, you know, the elephants, she would sit there so in 1999, they established at Cornell an institute called the Elephant Listening Project. That's, 15, that's 16 years ago now. I mean, a whole team of people, and they're out there um, studying elephants, listening. they got these, these micro microphones all over the forest, and uh, they've recorded hundreds and hundreds of thousands of uh, hours of tapes of elephants speaking on this level. And to such a degree that they're actually putting together like a dictionary and decoding the language on, on a very basic level. So, you know, I mean, you know, I read the whole book. I mean, I, if you have any questions about elephants, just talk to me afterwards. You know, I read a book on it. You know, but it's fascinating the way the whole system of how they operate, you know. And, um, and so what I want to do is this is – I want to just have you listen for about – this is about a minute and a half. And uh, you can find the website, The Elephant Listening Project. I, I put it actually on my Twitter and Facebook, the, the picture of of the book, but I, what this is, this is the, uh, the technology that helps you listen to the sound beneath our pitch. And so what you're gonna do is you're gonna see, as you're listening, you'll, you'll hear the forest regular sounds uh, on one level, and it's amazing how much noise is going on in the forest. But then you'll notice as it gets black, and then you'll notice, you'll hear, if you listen closely, you'll hear the elephants communicating on this 
you know, infrasonic level, okay? So just watch this for about, you know, 30 seconds or so. All right, that's good. You can turn that off. Okay, super. And, and so those elephants are talking a lot. And actually, uh, because it's this infrasonic level, they, that, that sound actually travels for miles. Yeah, it's really, it's really fascinating. And, uh, and so today, you know, I want to talk to you about the frequency that the world doesn't hear, and it's called the Holy Spirit speaking. It's another frequency. It's another level of communication that's different than we're just used to going outside, you know, and, and walking the streets of New York. And so in, in John 16, Jesus begins to expound on all that. Now, again, Rich, last week, Rich opened this whole series in the Holy Spirit by talking about the miracle of Christ being inside of us. Now, again, remember, in, when Jesus came, this inaugurated the age of the Holy Spirit. Prior to this, um, in the Old Testament, the Spirit would come on certain people at certain times for certain purposes. So, for example, the Holy Spirit would fall on Ezekiel or Gideon or Samson or David or Saul, mostly kings, priests, and prophets. Uh, but it wasn't on everybody. And it was mostly men uh, and, and, and Jews. But when Jesus comes, he ushers in a whole new age, the age of the Holy Spirit. And now he does two things. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He dies for our sins, and Jesus makes a way for sin to be removed, okay, as we come to him. But secondly, he says he, he will come and he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He's going to release now the Holy Spirit. So he's doing two functions, not just one, he does two. That now it's possible for God the Holy Spirit to live inside of human beings. That's the great miracle of Christianity. This is, just, this, is not, this is not a philosophy. This is not a, a, a history that we believe. This is, this is a, a living relationship with God who comes to live inside of human beings like you and I who are sinners. Because Christ's blood has been shed and we've been forgiven, God can actually live inside of us. And now it's not just on certain kings and smart people and good people. Now anybody who receives Christ, God will come live inside of you by the Holy Spirit, transform your life. And he stays. He abides. It's permanent. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's poured out. Now it's not just men. It's men and women, sons and daughters, old and young, all ages, irrespective of your performance. That's the great miracle of Christianity. It's this live relationship with this person called the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, before he you know, goes to the cross and resurrects, he begins to talk to his disciples so they, get, so they can understand this, this, this Holy Spirit. Now, I love this because you think of uh, this elephant. It's called the Elephant Listening, Listening, the Elephant Listening Project at Cornell. You know, go look up on the website. We are going to enter the Holy Spirit Listening Project, all right, for the next 10 weeks. 
Like there's so much to learn about listening to the Holy Spirit. And we're going to touch on, I would consider, a pretty foundational theme today. But we'll build on it in the next couple of months. But it's so important. Because if we're not listening, we're missing a lot of what God's doing and saying and what he wants to do in our own lives and through us. So with that, uh, let's read the text. Oops, sorry. Here's what Jesus says. When he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will show how wrong the world is about what is wrong, sin. About what is right, righteousness. And about who won, judgment. About what is wrong, namely that they do not believe or trust in me. About what is right, namely that I am going to the Father and you no longer see me. And about who won, namely that the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own. He will only tell you what is yet to come. So the speaking Holy Spirit, Jesus says, this Holy Spirit is going to be speaking. And so what he wants us to understand, he goes, I'm going to tell you in advance the kinds of parameters, the kind of things he's going to tell you so that when you hear it, you'll recognize it. See, once you, once you, you got used to hearing that elephant frequency, you were able to recognize that voice as it went on because you got used to it a little bit. Because I want you to get used to this voice of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to tell you in Scripture some of the ways that you'll know it's him and not your own thoughts. Okay? And so the Holy Spirit's called the paraclete, actually, in this passage. And it's one of the interesting words used for the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, he's, he's someone who's coming alongside you, especially in a critical situation. He's a true friend, is one translation. Comforter, encourager. encourager. He is the true friend. Okay, you've got He's going to come alongside you. He's going to whisper in your ear, but he's also going to live inside of you. So you've got to now tune in to this level of frequency of his voice. So he's going to break it down into basically, um, Jesus says, here's the three kind of like, how do I put it, the, the, the tools or the instruments, like to hear this speaking Holy Spirit. He's going to talk about scripture. We're going to talk about community. We'll talk about silence. Okay, those three things as foundations. All right, so let's just take it, you know, one at a time. So, so in, in Scripture. So, so Jesus says, because basically Jesus says, Scripture is going to give you the answers to life's biggest questions about what's really right, what's really wrong, and what am I supposed to do, basically, with my life. So, so what's really wrong, Jesus says, when the Spirit of God comes, he's going to tell you what's really wrong. And he defines what's really wrong here on the bottom where he says, about what is wrong, namely that they do not believe and trust in me. What Jesus is saying is this. There are many, many evils in the world. There's world hunger, there's war, there's betrayals, there's injustice, there's racism, there's abuse, uh, there's hatred, there's sex trafficking, there's global warming. In fact, many of you work in helping professions. And even if you're not, most of you have a heart to help people. You, you wanna see evil pushed back. And uh, so you work in nonprofits or for the health industry, or maybe you're a teacher in the educational system, or you're a public servant working for the government or law enforcement. Uh, maybe you're uh, in business providing jobs for people. Maybe you're home parenting children, volunteering, giving money away, serving in one of the many, many ministries at New Life to, to the community. That's all great. But Jesus says, I want you to understand there's a lot of problems out there. There's a lot of evil. But there's one evil that's the root of all the evils. And the Holy Spirit's coming to show you what that is. And he goes, what it is is it's a failure to trust in Jesus. That when you pull out all the levels of evil, and there's many, many levels. I was with a police officer after one of the services who investigates child abuse for the New York City Police Department. Talk about evil. 
And he's talking you have not seen evil till you've worked in that department for a decade or more. And he says, but the, found, the, the lack of believing in Jesus is the foundational wrong of all, the ultimate hurt. And so, yes, on one level, the Holy Spirit comes, and, he, and what's wrong? He convicts people of, of the fact that you're not trusting Jesus. You know, convict people of sin. I think of my brother-in-law who uh, is in his early 60s. It's so interesting because I've you know, known him for obviously a three, 30, 30 years. You know, knew we were Christians and you know, tried sharing the gospel with him, you know, and nothing. And one day shows up. He's a custodian in a school, and uh, he's become a Christian. And not just a Christian, like wishy-washy. The guy's on fire. And I'm like, what happened to you? Of course, I want to take credit for it, but what am I going to say? What happened to you, you know? It turns out when he was working at the school, like doing the floors, somehow God just came to him. And he was so convicted of his wretchedness. He, he, must have, he didn't tell me what he did, if he did something specific or what, but something about his sin broke him. Just broke him about the kind of person he really was. And he just gave his life to Christ, and now he's just, he's a whole different person. But it's just the Holy Spirit just did it. And really, for a person to become a Christian, at some point, the Holy Spirit's going to bring some conviction. But not just for a person to come to Christ. The, the Christian life is one of learning to trust, is, of trusting in Jesus, of believing in Jesus. And so what happens is, as we're moving along this following of Christ, the Holy Spirit's coming alongside and saying, trust me. So, for example, you know, you're, you're uh, you know, someone's hurt you and you're just bitter, you know, and you're like, oh, God, give it to them, you know, and you, you can't pray for them. You don't even want to think about them. And then, like, you just, you know, it's, it's your, your, your heart's just locked down. And then you, you got this little knock, you know, and it's the Holy Spirit saying, why don't you just pray, you know, ask God to open your heart up, you know. No, I don't want to pray to open my heart up. Give it to them, you know, and, and, and you, you got this thing going on. But that's the Holy Spirit saying, let me in here. Trust me with this thing. Um, or, or you're at work and you, and you have a chance to kind of do something that's a little bit, let's call it lack of integrity. A little, something that will cut a corner, that, but you know it's not right. And the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, trust me. Jesus, I'll take care of you. In my time, you'll move up the ladder. In my time, my way. You know, or you're in a relationship. You're going down a road in a relationship that is destructive, and but you and you even know it's not good, but you say to yourself, if I don't take this, I'll end up with nothing. And the Holy Spirit kind of says, trust me. Trust me in this thing. But he's coming in those kind of situations when we're, we kind of lock down and we tend not to trust, to say, listen to me, to open your heart up, let me in. And let me take this thing. Um, in addiction, of course, is a classic. You know, you're, if you're coming out of any addiction, you struggle with addiction, whether it's, to, you know, and, and whether it's pornography or shopping or, you know, spending or drugs or alcohol, whatever it might be. Uh, and you just, you tend to just slunge. And, and the Spirit of God says, trust me, I will satisfy your deepest need. Don't go for that short-term fix. And, and so, you know, think of whatever's keeping you up at night, you know, late at night. And you're just like, you're not even thinking about God. And, and every now and then the Holy Spirit will come to you and just nudge you. and says, let me in. Let me in that situation. 
and that's part of what he does. So, so Jesus, I'm telling you, because the reason scripture is given to us is so that we will learn to recognize that voice of the Spirit of God. Okay? But not only that, you know, this, but he's also telling you, you know, what's really right. Because you know what's right? Jesus is right. He's going to show the world about righteousness and about, and about who won. You know, judgment. That the, the ruler, last line there, verse 11, the ruler of this world has been condemned. You understand? Because you, sometimes you're a Christian and you're out there and you say, am I crazy? No one else is even thinking about God. No one's, they're not hearing any elephants like I am. And my hearing voice, am I nuts? And you say, no, you're not, you're not crazy. And goes, but one of the things the Holy Spirit's going to tell you is you'll have these moments of such clarity that the most profoundly right thing that ever happened in the world was Jesus coming from heaven to earth, dying for our sins and rising from the dead and ascending to the right hand of the Father, and, and he rules the whole universe. There is nothing more right. And um, the world ignores Jesus. So, no matter, so do you understand? We walk into situations all the time. And no matter how bad people's despair is, even our own despair, they're in a hole, they can't get out. You're, you're in front of death. You're in front of the worst situations. I get discouraged. All of you, I, I watch the news, I get overwhelmed sometimes. Or I get involved, you know, with, whether it's Syria, uh, you know, I, I just gets overwhelming. Or uh, people's lives who, who've, who've, who've done some things that they have made a train wreck, not just of their lives, but of people around them. And it looked like such a mangled mess. But then the Spirit of God reminds me and reminds us, say, hey, the most important, the resurrection is the single most important reality that ever happened in world history. And Jesus has defeated the devil at the cross. He is, it's been a massive exorcism. He's broken the back of Satan. Jesus wins one. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He's in full control. And so we walk around and we actually can pray for any situation. And we can give hope to people because you know what? The Spirit of God reminds us what's really right, and the answer is Jesus. And so we walk in the world, and how, how can we say such a thing? We can say it because of the Holy Spirit will remind us. And Scripture reminds us that Jesus rules all of history. He's got it all under it, so, so don't get discouraged. And then lastly, the Spirit's answering, what should I do? What should you do with your life? And I love it. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Do you know there's a lot of things God wants to say to you, but he doesn't tell you all at once? Because he knows you and I couldn't take it. We'd run. Disciples, he had, to, he had to slowly give to them in time. But he goes, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So, so what do you do with your life? Well, the only way to know is to be listening to the Holy Spirit. He is a speaking Holy Spirit. And he's taking you somewhere. He's got a plan for you. And a person of you to become and a place for you to go. And uh, so whether you're a teenager, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, um, he's speaking. He, 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 he wants to guide you. If you're tuned in to that frequency, okay, because it's different than the world. What's, what, where am I going to make the most money? Where am I going to be the most comfortable? So do I take this job? Do I leave this job? Do I, uh, how do I spend my time today? Do I get into this relationship? Do I get out of this relationship? Do I begin this friendship? Do I not begin this friendship? Do I put my children in this special program or not in a special program at all? Do I expand my ministry and business or do I not expand it? Um, how do I know? Jesus says, you'll know if you're listening to the Holy Spirit. If you're opening your heart up, you'll know. He will guide you 
into what is true. In fact, uh, he will not speak on his own. He will only tell you what is yet to come. You'll get a sense of what's coming uh, in the future. I had a, a, a friend of ours uh, I was with a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he went and he just come back from the Sudan. And he is translating uh, the New Testament into the language called Nubian. It's only spoken by a half a million people in the Sudan. And I said to him, like, why are you, like, translating the New Testament to a half a million people in the Sudan? He lives in Germany, Germany, and he went and got a Ph.D. in Nubian. I mean, like, that's a lot of money. He says it's only, he goes, it's a, it's a Muslim tribe, and you're not allowed to become a Christian. He goes, I know there's a couple of Christians in there, but I'm doing it because I know that God wants me to do it. I just know I'm supposed to do it. I said, well, how are you going to, like, I'd like you. He's been 20 years working on this project. And he travels down to the Sudan, works on the translation, comes back. And he goes, I, I just, he goes, I'm going to put it on an app, make it available uh, as an ebook for free. And I trust that some of them will read it. But he just knew the Holy Spirit wanted him to do it, and it's been a 20 year project for him. That was it. So, uh, so I say all this because scripture, because Jesus, scripture, if we're going to hear the Holy Spirit's voice, like those elephants, you know, ultra infrasonic level, we've got to be reading scripture. You've you got to be in the Bible. Like, 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 this is the framework to hear him. So in other words, the more you know scripture, the more you can discern. That's, that, that's, that's his voice, not somebody else's voice. That, that's really him. And it provides those kind of parameters. So I, I know in Western culture right now, people, Christians and people reading the Bible is less and less. I mean, it's le- I, 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 I know it by watching people and talking to people, but there's actually been studies done right now. So listen, there are audio books, there are e-books. You can read, get the Bible, download it, put it in your phone. But I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you. If you're going to listen to the Holy Spirit and hear his voice, because he's speaking to you, one of the foundation issues is you've got to get in scripture. You've just got to be reading scripture. I, I do it all. Just, you know, I'm walking. I got it on my phone sometimes. You know, I'm listening to books of the Bible. If you, never, if you haven't read much of the Bible, start with the gospel. Start with the gospel of John. But I, I, I got, you got to hear this. If we're going to move into the kind of life God's called us to, somehow every one of us has got to get a life where we are in scripture. Because the first thing Jesus does is he begins to tell them his words so they can discern the Holy Spirit. So the scriptures are given so we can listen to the Holy Spirit. So that's number one. But, believe it or not, that's not, there is more to it than that. Uh, there is something called community. Uh, it's not just you and the Bible and you listening to Jesus as an individual. There is this, I'm part of something larger. Every time, except for once, in the, New, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit will be in you, will come to you, that you is plural. In other words, he's saying the Holy Spirit's coming to the church. He's going to dwell in the community, not just you as an individual. And so that's why it's so critical that we're part of a local church, like a new life, somewhere, because we're part of the universal church. But the, but the Spirit of God dwells here. That's why when you come in here, you sense the Spirit of God. Um, but if you don't have that, it's a problem. Now, let me tell you a story that will illustrate this well. A week and a half ago, uh, Jerry and I were in uh, Germany. And uh, she was speaking. I was carrying her bags. So I was there for the ride. And um, if you know about Europe, Europe right now is in a big crisis. About the, there, there's, there's refugees coming in from all over Mideast and Africa, pouring into Europe. And Jerry was speaking at a women's leadership conference 
And there were women there from 28 different countries, uh, Eastern Europe as well as Western Europe. She had women there from Russia, Ukraine, Romania, Bulgaria, Slovenia, Croatia, Serbia, all those countries. And then you also had women from France and Germany and uh, Belgium and you know, United Kingdom, etc. So it, it just happened like that, 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 ref, that global refugee crisis really is at a high level of intensity. Try to imagine 800,000 to a million people like coming to the United States like all at once, the chaos. So when we were there, the moment we got off the train in Germany, there's refugees like everywhere. We're like, oh my gosh, you know, you know, they don't speak the language. They have nothing. Okay, they're just showing up. So, so I'm there. In fact, one of our friends, you try to imagine the scale of this thing. Uh, he went to, he's in a, lives in a suburb um, and the town has 600 people of, of a city, and that city took in 47 refugees. Had, I'm sorry, took in 57 refugees. That's one-tenth of the city. Now, the, these are people who don't speak the language, German. They have no money, no food, no clothes. They know nothing. This culture is so foreign to them. And basically, almost every city in Germany has taken in a percentage of people in their city. It has so disrupted the whole place. And so there's all this controversy. If you've been following the news, countries were closing their borders because you don't know who's ISIS, who's not, you know, security issues. It just it goes so chaotic when we were there. And, uh, but very disruptive. I mean, very, every day it was something dramatic happening, okay? Because they just kept coming and there was a feeling of, of chaos and being overwhelmed. So the question is, what's the Christian, what's God, what's the Holy Spirit saying? So I was like fascinated myself, like, what is he saying, you know? And so we're listening to all the different you know, people talk about it. And uh, so I'm like in scripture, I'm like, what does God say? What does scripture say? What's the Holy Spirit saying about this thing? So, so in conversation with people, I I'm starting to get some insight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, God sees human beings, people made in his image. He doesn't see countries. He sees people. He loves all people. Then we, got, then we realize, oh, wait a second. Jesus was a refugee. You know, he had to flee for his life from Palestine, ended up in Africa. Come to think of it, Moses was a refugee. He had to leave his country for life. In fact, the Israelites were refugees for 40 years, 2 million of them fleeing Egypt. In fact, so was Ezekiel was a refugee. So was Jeremiah was a refugee. So was Daniel. In fact, the Bible's full of refugees. Priscilla and Aquila were refugees. I said, oh, my gosh. And we realized, oh, my gosh, through, through history, God has moved through movements of moving people around through great migrant movements. And in fact, if you know the book of Philemon in the New Testament, Onesimus, the book's about a, a slave who'd run away from his country. His name was Onesiphus. And Paul was saying to his master, have mercy on this guy. You know, basically, in a nice way, let him go, Paul says. But Onesiphus was also a refugee, and he actually eventually, according to church history, he became the bishop of the church in the city of Ephesus. So the point is that God has moved through this nation thing of moving nations around all through history. And then, and so as one woman said, she said privately to me, she goes, you know what's so interesting? She goes, we've been praying for Muslims for decades, and now God is sending them to us. And yet we want to shut the door. And I was like, wow. And I thought of North America. I thought of us in New York. Because the question is, am I more concerned about my comfort and my standard of living and my housing prices going down or people? whom God is sending to me. And the testimony of some of these people coming from Afghanistan and Iran was unbelievable. Folks who were 
had dreams and visions in, in, in Afghanistan but couldn't come out and declare themselves a Christian. They would have got killed. And they're like how they had to leave, and here they are, you know, hey, I want to get baptized. I met Jesus in a dream. and it, I mean, you hear these stories that are just a phenomenal. But God was moving the whole time. Now, I say all this because I'm on, so, and then I'm like, wait a second. You know, we may be closing our doors to Jesus himself here in the U.S. and elsewhere. And then remember Matthew 25, 35, Jesus says, I was a stranger and you invited me in. You know that text? This is a very famous painting. It's called Jesus on the Breadline. You know, basically sometimes we're shutting people out of our lives and it's Jesus. And I, and I thought of these refugees. I'm, so I was all inspired by scripture and the word of God. So on the airplane coming home, we were only there six days. I'm writing a blog about all this. I'm like all inspired, fired up. Jesus. I was a stranger and you invited him in. So I'm writing this blog. And uh, as I'm writing it, now understand Jerry and I, we're on the back of the plane. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, she, uh, we, we, it was a very crowded plane. So we got seats where she's on the window and I'm on the aisle. There's an empty seat between us because we want to have some room, you know. And uh, so we're tired, but we're good. You know, she's got her seat. I got my seat. <clears throat> but halfway through the plane ride, this man comes up to me, and I'm, I'm on the <clears throat> aisle, and he says, hey, I, I need to sit there in the middle of us. And I'm like, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. You don't want to sit here. You know, there's, there's only probably you know, two other seats in the whole airplane. You know, I, I, we're in 37. Go look at 44 and 58, you know. And he goes, no, no, steward has told me because there's some commotion. There was babies screaming, you know, ahead of us. And the steward has sent me here. And I'm like, are you sure? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah I got to sit right there. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. So I'm like, all right, you know, you know, he sits down there. And, you know. and so I'm just, I'm typing my article for the blog. And, and so, you know, I'm not talking to this guy the whole rest of the trip. And only except at one point that the stewardess comes by and says, you know, do you want chicken or do you want beef? And the guy says, get the beef. I said, all right. The beef, he was right, but I'm still not talking to him. Do you understand? I'm not talking to the guy. And so we get off the plane. And he, he, was, he was, I don't know what country he was from, but he was not, you know, he was not born, at least in the United States. Didn't matter, okay. I'm not talking to him. So now we get off the plane, and my wife is hysterical laughing. Jerry's laughing. And I'm like, what are you laughing about? And she goes, Pete, like, do you see it? Something's wrong with this picture. I'm like, I don't see anything. What do you see? She goes, I see that you're a hypocrite. I mean, you are writing about welcoming refugees. You can't even welcome the guy sitting next to you. I was, oh my God. So when we talk about listening to the Holy Spirit, we're dangerous alone, all of us, because we have blind spots. And if you read church history, a lot has been written about this for 2,000 years. That's why it's so important that we're part of a community somewhere, new life or somewhere, so we have some trusted companions who can speak to our lives. Because it's so easy to make decisions and not consult with anybody. And we just go our merry way. 
and how many folks have made this, you know, this bad decision is because they just didn't talk to anybody. Just, I got the word from God. I'm just going. Or they're just going. and not even thinking about it. And, uh, uh, and that's why this connection event that's going on after service is so important because it's so – we want you to connect to, the, to listening to the Holy Spirit, but we know you need people in your lives. So we want to encourage you to go downstairs in that, in that room, uh, shell room, to the right just to, just to see the different groups that are starting and meet some people because it's not that easy to connect and find trusted companions, but it's very, very critical for me. Obviously, you can see how dangerous I am and, and all of us. Uh, so that we can really be tuned into the frequency of, of the Spirit of God. So I need scripture, I need community, and I'll just close with this. I, I also need silence. Now, noise can kill you. That's noise, all right? We are, we are living in a very noisy world. Incredibly noisy out there. And, um, but the implication of Jesus in John 16 is saying this, that, that to listen, you basically have to be quiet to listen. Like, have you ever been in a conversation and the person just talks the whole time? Like, you, you can't talk because they won't shut up. Like, I mean, they don't listen. And it's the same thing in our relationship with God. Like, if you're always talking, do you understand? Nothing's getting in. So, so it's understood that you're quiet. You're being still, as the Bible says, before the Lord. You're, you're being quiet. You're being silent before him. And we talk about that a lot at New Life Fellowship, that, the importance of, of developing quiet because we know unless you're quiet, do you think she would have ever heard those elephant sounds if she hadn't been quiet? Ever. Do you understand by not being quiet and silent how much you're missing? How much I'm missing? Because my life is so crowded and, and noisy. Now, uh, so, so elephants actually are great listeners. And, and if you, this woman, Katie Payne, in her studies, she found that they will actually, like in a movie, you know, a movie's going along, and all of a sudden, it's like everybody's still, like stops, you freeze the frame. Elephants are tremendous listeners, and they will, as a herd, all hear a certain call and all stop at once to listen. And she says it's almost, it's incredible to watch. I mean, their ears kind of perk out, you know, because they're listening, okay? In the same way, we are called to, to listen. Now, she tells a story at one point where, uh, a baby elephant had died. And so here's the mother over the baby elephant. And so what happens is, is she said some kind of infrasonic call went out. And again, their microphones, are, their microphones are special microphones for picking it up. But you can't hear anything on the surface. And so over the next uh, few hours, about 100 elephants came by the dead baby. Almost like, almost like a funeral procession. And she said one-fourth of the elephants tried, and they all made some expression, like with their movements, of acknowledging this dead baby elephant. And one-fourth of them actually tried to lift the baby up, like as if to resurrect it, to help it walk. And one elephant in particular tried 57 times to lift that baby up and put it on its feet. But what's so amazing is it was that they heard. Do you understand? They, they, they heard this voice, this call going out somehow, and they came from all over. Now, the, you know, listen, I want you to catch this. God, the Holy Spirit, is speaking right now. Do you understand? 
he is saying a lot. And he's got places for you to go. He's got people for you to meet. He's got a person that you are meant to become. Those, that's, that, those calls are coming from inside of you. We call it the examine, consolations and desolations. If you were not here uh, for that sermon on listening in July, it's called Listen. Watch it on New Life Fellowship on YouTube. Uh, it's, it's very important you understand how the examine works inside of us. Because we're always talking about listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And how do I discern? Is this what's God saying? And what's he doing? And consolations and desolations. But do you understand that if you're not silent to be listening, how much you're missing? And things that God may be saying to you for your life, you have no idea. And you're just kind of going your way. And missing the whole thing. And so here it is, as we, as we close here. Uh, you know, the elephant, they, had an el- they, they have right now, 16 years later, at Cornell, this elephant listening project. I would like to launch today the Holy Spirit listening project. Because really, it, it, it's, it's the Holy Spirit listening project. It's like we need as a group to get on a journey. Try to imagine if every one of us in our personal lives are just open to the Holy Spirit speaking. Just, just your job, your relationships, your time, your energy, your money. You're just, you're just open. Like, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me? Like, where do you, what do you want to go? What do you, how do you want to guide me? You know, what do you want to show me? And you're in scripture, you're in community, you've you got, you got silence as part of your life. What will he do with your life? And imagine us as a community, as a church. Everything we're touching as a church, we're open. Whatever God wants. Multi-site, community development, men's, marriage, single, youth, children, women. We're just, it's all before God. We're just, whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit, you're speaking, we want to listen to you. And we're, we're, we want to invite you in. Not just to what's logical from where we see it. Where do you want to take us? What kind of explosive, wonderful, exciting things might you have in store for our lives? If you're like me, often I get constricted and tight. And I don't feel spacious. I'm not, so I'm not opening up for the Spirit of God to come in. But when I open up and I trust Jesus, I say, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? You know, what, how do you want to deal with the situation? I feel life coming into me. I, I feel, I mean, my, my body feels different. But it's so easy to live differently because the whole world's not listening on that frequency. The world's just listening on a different level. But we're called to a listening project of the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, friends, it's very, very, very exciting. That's my invitation. I want to invite the worship team to come on forward. And uh, here's what I want us to do as we close. I'd like us to close with, um, you know, two minutes of silence. You know, Katie Payne, who started this thing, uh, the Elephant Listening Project at Cornell, she became a Quaker. And Quakers are, are, are known for listening. And she said uh, in her journal, she, she wrote, she goes, I believe the greatest responsibility of human beings is to listen. Uh, listen, you know, to God, listen to creation, but we're to be listening so, you know, we've done some scripture here. We, we're doing this in community. We're all together. You're listening to me here, which is great. But let's just take a minute or, or so of silence. And, uh, you know, we do this often at the end of a service. And some of you don't like it. That's fine. We love you, and we're glad you're here. Uh, because we believe it's so critical uh, to growing and maturing in Christ. So we're just going to take a minute.
Uh, and what we're going to do is I'm going to invite you to you know, get comfortable. Try not to fall asleep, okay? But if you're tired, it's okay. Take a little nap. But we are, what makes our silence unique is we're still, we are, we are being still before the Lord. And so I like to have my hands kind of open with my palms open like that. There's kind of it's an expression. You're open to listen in our context here to the Holy Spirit uh, today. And, and, and every time your mind wanders, I like to have a, I usually say Abba, you know, or Father, or Jesus. You, might, you want to say Holy Spirit. And I, I open up you know, my, my heart, my life to you. So, again, think of what's, what's your most challenging situation you've got in your life today? In this, mo- in this minute of silence, just say, okay, Holy Spirit, I, open, I trust you. I open you up. I open this up to you. Uh, maybe he's been saying, don't go down this path or go down this path, and you've been resisting. And you say, okay, Holy Spirit, I invite you in. Or, or maybe he's trying to guide you, and you're not listening, but you want to say, okay, Lord, I'm open to you. Guide me. How do you, where, where do you want to take me? So, all right, so get comfortable. And uh, let me just close your eyes for a moment. For the Lord, and take a deep breath. You know, the Holy Spirit's referred to as breath and wind. Just breathe in your Holy Spirit, fill me, and breathe out all that's not of Him. And let's begin. Let's be still before the Lord in silence and listen. everybody let's all stand together you know and today is your day you want to turn around you want to you want to surrender to the holy spirit you want to let him in and one of the ways to do that is come forward for prayer and it's an expression of turning around of, of repentance it's a, it's a decision but you know who you are where your fears for whatever reason have kept you from going in maybe you've made some decisions that have just shut the spirit of god and today god's coming to you because he loves you loves you enough to send the Spirit of God into your life and to you. Uh, and He's speaking to you because He's really got somewhere wonderful for you to go. And He really is the source of joy and peace that you're looking for. Uh, there is no other way to go. So I'm going to pray, and the prayer teams will be up here for your, to your left. All right? So I'm going to invite you to open up your hands like this towards heaven, towards music, a blessing. And after we close, just so you know, or forget, um, there's going to be a children's baptism here. symbols.
come to you on